and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear what the spirit of the Lord would say. We ask you, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts. Anything that's of me, may it fall to the ground. But let your word, Lord, which is eternal, find a good place in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm not necessarily sure why, but I sense the Lord this week's leading me to speak to you about the topic or the idea of betrayal. Now, if you live any length of time on this earth and have interactions with other human beings, you will at some point, in some way, experience a form of betrayal. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, whether it's an actual legitimate betrayal or whether it's something that's simply perceived as a betrayal. Given enough time, you will experience it. You will experience what you sense are betrayals from other people. You will sense betrayals from organizations. And you will even at times sense what you feel is a betrayal by God. Just living in this life, you are going to experience betrayal. Now, when you experience betrayal, as I said, whether it's a legitimate betrayal or a perceived betrayal, whether it's intentional or unintentional, when you experience betrayal, it can be one of the most devastating experiences that you've ever known in your life. It can be one of those things that rocks you. To the very core of your being. For some people, they're unable to move beyond that experience or that place. There are some people when they've experienced that betrayal, it's as if the engine of their train has been derailed. The engine of their life has been derailed. And there's no going forward because the tracks of their life, their future seems as if it's just blocked by this huge mess. If we could imagine in our minds, it would almost be like, imagine in the Rocky Mountains or some mountain and there's been a rock slide and it's fallen down on the tracks and you can't go forward and you see the train that's, that ran into that, that's derailed. And it's like, where do we go from here? How do I get back on the track? How can I go forward? I can't go forward. I can't go back. What do we do? I got this huge mess that blocks my way. Just hearing me say that word betrayal is going to send electricity through somebody today. And yes, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your need. He's speaking to your heart. In a congregation this size, there will be people who have experienced the pain of betrayal. Perhaps you've been lied to. 
You've been deceived. You were manipulated. Something was stolen from you. Maybe you were used or you were rejected or someone abandoned you. There'll be spouses who know the pain of infidelity or divorce. Someone who once professed their love and devotion to only you broke your heart by giving themselves to someone else. There will be those whose confidence is broken. As you poured out your heart to others, sharing with them what was going on in your life, only to find out that they go and tell it to someone else. You know the pain of betrayal. In a congregation this size, there will be both males and females who were sexually abused or who were raped. There will be people who have been falsely accused. There will be people who have been lied about. There will be people who have been slandered. And all of these things have been done by people who you were supposed to be able to trust. Friends, we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-sick world. And sin touches the church. None of us are immune, no matter who we are or where we grow up or who our parents are. None of us are immune from experiencing the betrayals of life. You know what else? In a congregation this size, you will not only have the victims of betrayal, but you'll also have the betrayers. There are those of you who have lied, who have deceived, who have manipulated, who have stolen, who have used, who have rejected, who have abandoned. I know it's ugly. and I know that we don't like to talk about it and we don't like to look at it. And we would like to forget that it ever existed. But there are those of you, when we look at our past, we say, we were the betrayer. Perhaps you're the one who uh, divorced your spouse for an unjust cause. Perhaps you're the one who broke someone's confidence. Perhaps you're the abuser. You were the one who was falsely accused. You're the one who humiliated. You're the one who bullied. You're the one who slandered. And all of this was done to people who were supposed to be able to trust you. Will you allow me the privilege of pastoring you? If I'm going to pastor you, if if I'm truly going to pastor you and be the shepherd that God has called me to do, then I have to tell you the truth. Do you want the truth? Is that what we want to hear? Do we want to hear what the truth is? Or are we going to get mad? Or are we going to take God for his word? Are we going to understand that when the Holy Spirit speaks through his word, it's always for our good. It's not for our condemnation. He is not the one who condemns. If you don't want to hear the truth, what I'm about to say, then we'll excuse you. You can use the restroom. You can get a drink of water. You can put your fingers in your ears. Whatever you need to do. Before we get started, most of this, we got to talk about some things. There are some very legitimate, horrifying, horrifying betrayals that if we would take the time in this room and go around, if we would take the time in this room and walk around and you would tell your story, we would sit and cry with you. Tears would run down people's faces as they know the things that you have experienced. But sometimes when you hear people's stories, you wonder, how do they get up in the morning? How do they keep going on? How is it that they have survived? But I must say this as well. 
There are some times and there's some people who magnify the offenses against them. Let's just get this out of the way so we can get on to the other stuff, okay? But let's get this truth out of the way. There's some people who magnify the offenses against them. And those offenses have become something bigger than what they really are. Listen to me. The offenses against us, you say, yes, I was betrayed. But sometimes those offenses have been magnified and they become something much bigger than what they really are. They're big in your eyes and they're big in your head and they're big in your thoughts. But in reality, if you could step back, God would say to you, they're not that big that you can't overcome them. But we begin to focus upon them and to dwell upon them and to magnify them in our thoughts and our minds till they become an insurmountable Mount Everest that we can never get over or around. And so we live our whole lives with these offenses, these betrayals that have come our way. And we say, I would love to be free, but we can't because we've magnified them in our hearts. We've made them great and we've made God's grace small. There's something that we do when we magnify the betrayals of others. Let me go back just a minute. As we begin to magnify those betrayals, it seems as if they're growing all the time. And the more you think about it, the bigger it becomes. Am I talking to somebody? At a certain point, those betrayals are getting out of control. And you know in your heart, I need to get a handle on this. I need to get a handle on this because these betrayals, these things that people have done or these perceived things that have happened in my life, they're just growing and growing and I can't get over them. I can't get around them. I don't know what to do with them. Now, some people may initially, as you hear this, you may take offense and you say, and justify, you say, you don't understand. You're trying to get me to let somebody off the hook. I should never be betrayed. It doesn't matter how big or how small, betrayal is betrayal, and it should never take place in my life. It's not fair. Human nature has a tendency to magnify the offenses of others against us and to minimize our own betrayals. Do you hear that? We magnify the things that others do against us but we minimize the things that we do to others. We minimize it. We excuse it away. We say, I was just kidding. When someone insults us, we take great offense. But whenever we insult somebody else, it's always, well, I was just kidding. I didn't mean to hurt you. So we magnify those offenses. But someone's going to get free today if you'll listen to the Holy Spirit. Someone can shake this off if you'll listen to the voice of the Spirit. I would simply ask that you re-examine your situation, but this time use the same glasses that you look at your betrayals with. Whenever I'm looking at the betrayals of others against me, I put on a certain lens. You notice every detail of that betrayal. Whenever we look through that lens of what someone else has done to me, it's typically with a magnifying glass and it grows bigger and bigger. I don't know why, but when I look at the betrayals in our lives against others, it seems like we like to look through a minimizing lens that makes it seem smaller. And I would simply ask you this today, that you would look through the same lenses. When you re-examine those things, 
look through the same lenses that you look at the offenses that you do against others. Look through the same lenses that you do. Give the other person the same grace that the Holy Spirit has given you. In my notes, I have this. It's difficult to be betrayed, but it's not near as difficult as it is to be the betrayer. It's difficult. It's difficult to be betrayed, but it is much worse to live with the fact to know that you are the betrayer. It's difficult to have somebody, if I had to choose, I would rather be stolen from than be a thief. Now, I don't want anyone breaking into my house and stealing from me. And I don't want someone defrauding me. But if I have to choose between the two, I would rather not be in that situation. Most of us like to avoid those kind of situations. But if I have to choose between stolen from and stealing, I would rather be stolen from. I don't want to be the thief. I don't want to be the betrayer. I'd rather be lied about and lied to than to be a liar. If I have to choose, if I have to experience it in some point in my life, I would rather to be lied to or have someone lie about me than to be the liar myself. And I'd rather be betrayed than be the betrayer. Friends, you know what? In life, you will not escape. You and I will not escape experiences. There are certain situations, no matter how we try, we will not escape getting into them in some way or another. Now, there's an honesty. So many times, if we walk in holiness and obedience to the word, you will escape a lot of things. If you walk in the wisdom of the word, you will avoid many pitfalls But there are situations in life that are going to come your way. It's going to come your way and you're going to go through it. But if it is, if it does come your way, then be the one who's lied about. Don't be the liar. Then be the one who's stolen from. Don't be the thief. Be the one who's betrayed. Don't be the betrayer. Jesus has experienced the pain of betrayal. It would seem that Jesus did not treat Judas any different than the rest of his disciples. When he took the towel and knelt down in the bowl and knelt down before their feet, Jesus didn't exclude Judas. He took the towel and he washed Judas's feet just like he did John, Peter, and James, even though he knew what Judas was going to do. When Jesus broke bread and passed the cup, instituting the Lord's Supper and talking about the death that he would experience. He didn't leave Judas out. He gave him the cup and he gave him the bread. Now let's look for a moment at verse 3. It says, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. Why did Judas betray the Lord? We know that there was something going on in Judas's life. Judas turned out to be a thief. Judas was the treasurer of the group. He carried the money bag. And money played a terrible part in this deed. But 30 pieces of silver was not a large payment for such a crime. 
there had to be something more. I guarantee you if Judas carried the money bag, he could have skimmed more than 30 pieces off the money bag just very easily. Why would he sell Jesus out like he did? Well, friend, I believe it's because Satan entered him. There came a point where Satan, the scripture says that Satan entered him. At some point along the way, Judas opened himself up to Satan. Was it the greed that he struggled with? Was it his desire for power and prestige? I'm not sure exactly what it is. I don't know that you can find that from Scripture. We can make speculations about why Judas betrayed Jesus. But we know this for sure. We may not know the exact details. If it was the greed, if it was his desire for power, if it was he was resentful because Jesus did not Maybe he saw that, wait, Jesus isn't establishing a kingdom like I thought he was going to do. Jesus is talking this stuff. I thought we were going to set up a great ministry. I thought we were going to, he was the Messiah. I thought he was going to come in and I was going to be the treasurer of the nation. I thought something great was going to happen and Jesus isn't doing what I thought. We don't know the details of why he did that or what he was thinking. But we do know that somewhere along the line... There was an opening in his life that gave the devil an entrance. I want you to just think about that for a moment. Somewhere along the line, somehow, Judas opened a door for the enemy to come in and have access to his life. It was an opening somewhere, and we don't know exactly what it was. Was it the greed? Was it pride? We're not sure. Was it when he started skimming some money off the top? Was that it? Well, I'll just borrow. I'll give it back. Well, I do all of this work. I should be entitled to a couple. If I want a couple extra bucks, I should be entitled to that. We don't know what his thinking, but somewhere along the line, there was an opening in his life. It works the same way today. The enemy works the very same way today. And he works in our lives and he tries to find an opening. What's the word say? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Satan is an opportunist. He's an opportunist. He does not have creative power, but he is an opportunist, and he studies humanity, and he studies man, and he watches you, and by the decisions that you make, and by the choices that you make, he looks for an opportunity. Whenever he tempts you, he's studying you, he's watching you, and he's looking for an opportunity. Where's an opening in this person's life? That's why we need to be on guard against him. That's why we need to protect ourselves. That's why we need to be clothed in the armor of God. But he's looking for an opportunity. He's looking for an opening. Why do we talk to you about things like forgiveness? Why on earth do I spend so much time talking to you about discipline and the choices that you make? Are we legalistic? No, my friend. We're realistic. And we know that when you open yourself up, That it won't be long before, you know, if you open the windows and don't have the screens down, flies are going to come in. It's just the reality. I don't know where all these flies are coming. Well, shut the door. Shut the window. 
Put some screens up. It's surprising if you put up screens, how you don't have near as many flies. If you shut the door, you let the door open during the summer, let the front door open for about a half hour and find out how many flies come flocking into your house. Well, let the opening up in your life and see how the enemy comes in. And that's exactly what he did with Judas. The leaven in his life grew quietly and secretly until it produced malice and wickedness. When you cooperate with Satan, you pay dearly. And Judas ended up destroying himself. Remember that? He ended up destroying himself. Satan is a liar and he's a murderer. And he reproduced himself perfectly in Judas. He promised him something. He lied to him. He deceived him. And then he destroyed him. Let's talk about the betrayers. Because you and I can easily become one. Oh, we're talking about the betrayers, the people who have hurt us. But you and I can easily, if we don't guard our hearts, we don't protect ourselves, if we don't depend upon the Holy Spirit, you and I can become betrayers. Many of the people who become betrayers don't want to do that initially. They don't intend for their choices to produce such devastating results in their lives and in the lives of others. Yet somehow they allow an opening in their lives. Perhaps it's resentment, maybe bitterness, greed, lust. It doesn't seem realistic that such small thoughts and actions can lead to such pain and devastation. But before long, my friend, Satan capitalizes. He capitalizes on the chinks in your armor. He capitalizes on the chinks in my armor. Matthew records the same thing. In Matthew 26, it records these words of Judas, verse 14. It says, Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What will you give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. Then Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Notice the question that Judas had for them. Satan enters him. I don't know if Judas even understood. We see that Judas was sorrowful later on. He takes the coins. I think it's one of those things where Judas did not... Maybe he thought he had forced Jesus' hand. Maybe he didn't realize all that this was going to turn into. But there was a certain point when Judas takes the 30 pieces of silver and he goes back and he takes them and he tries to give them back to the religious leaders. He's like, here. And they're like, no, you can't give it back. We can't take that money back, no. And he throws it down before them. He weeps and he cries, but he doesn't repent. Judas was so deceived by the enemy. And that's what the enemy does. The enemy is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's an accuser. He brings death and destruction. But somewhere along the line, there was a degree of regret. He takes the money and he gives the money back. He says, I, this is not what I thought it was going to be. But he doesn't repent. Judas never repented. He was sorry, but he never repented. What will you give me? That was his question. What will you give me? 
What will you give me? What will you give me if I give him over to you? I wondered how many times people ask that question. What will you give me? Will you give me revenge? Will you give me popularity? Will you give me finances if I betray him? Will you give me happiness? Will you give me pleasure? What will you give me if I betray him? What will you give me? Every betrayer asks that same question. What will you give me? What will you give me if I betray him? What will you give me if I lie about him? What is it that I will get out of this deal? Whatever Satan offers you, he never shows you the whole deal. He never shows, man, I'm telling you, he don't show you the fine print. It's like some of these advertisements that you see. He doesn't show you the fine print. He doesn't show you the details. He doesn't show you what it's really gone to cost. He just says, oh, you want revenge? I'll give you revenge. Oh, you want a little bit of peace? I'll give you peace. You want a little bit of satisfaction? Oh, you want to be happy? I'll give you happiness. All you got to do is betray him and you'll be happy. But somehow he never shows us the true cost. It's almost like if you buy a house, there's a page on there in your papers that about tells you how much you're going to pay. You're like, oh, I bought this house. I got a great deal, 150000 Oh, with your interest rates, you're going to pay 450000 $450, That's what you're going to pay for your house. I thought I was getting this deal. The Satan never shows you the true cost. Matthew 26. Skipping down, there's another verse we're going to have here. Matthew 26, verse 24. I'd like to read that to you, and then we're going to close. Earlier, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who dips his hand and the bull with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him he had not been born. That's what Jesus said. Woe to the man who betrays him. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Woe. In the scriptures, whenever it says woe to you throughout the scriptures, when you hear those woes, it's like, oh, that's horrible. Like the woe to you, it's like, oh man, there's devastation, there's destruction, there's pain, there's sorrow. It's like nobody wants to be you. Oh man, I pity you. I'm sorry for you. This is who wants to be you? And to the betrayer, just like Judas, woe to him. It would have been better if he had not been born. You know what the enemy does in people's lives? He has them betray, and then he leaves them with that word. It'd have been better if you hadn't been born. Why is it there's so many people who commit suicide? I know there's times that there's mental health issues, and I don't want to, you know, a lot of times people have had loved ones who have committed suicide, and they were not mentally, they were not there. You know, there was something wrong 
in their mind. We know God is merciful. But what the enemy loves to do is he loves to bring in destruction. And what he loves to do is after you've betrayed, he wants you to say, it would be better if you had not even born. It would be better if you weren't even here. It never leads to satisfaction. It never leads to fulfillment. It always leads to pain and suffering. Now, as we close, Paul writes, and he talks about all of these sinful things. And he says, that's what you were. That's what you were. But you've been washed. Woe to the betrayer today. If someone's going to be betrayed, if someone's going to lie, don't let it be you. If someone's going to be abused, someone's going to abuse, don't be the abuser. If someone's going to defraud, don't be the defrauder. If someone's going to steal and cheat, don't let it be you. Woe to you. That's what he said. Woe to you. Woe to the one, the man to whom the Son of Man is, by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. And woe to the betrayer. A lot of times we say, no, I'm the victim. I was hurt. They betrayed me. Yeah, but you don't have to live with what they got to live with. Don't let it be you. You've experienced the worst that you're going to experience. They're going to live with the consequences. And God has a way of allowing the consequences of the betrayers to catch up with them. Not that we're looking for that. Because why? Because as we look around this room, every one of us, at some point, in some way, have been a betrayer. Anyone here who's never once in their life lied? Anyone here who never once in their life cheated? Anyone here who never once in their life was rude or obnoxious or hurtful? Oh, no, mine aren't as big. Right, right. Here, here again, you're, you're looking at it. Mine aren't near as big as everybody else's. This is what I want us to do. I want us to finish out our morning here at the altar. This is for betrayers and the betrayed. One of the most incredible things is what the work that the Holy Spirit does in people's lives. Some of you have hurt people very bad. You will always live. You will always live with the thought, the things that you've done. You'll always live with the pain that you've caused somebody else. You always live with that. You'd love to take it away. Well, you know, I want to tell you something. Before the eyes of God, when you and I repent, he takes that. The word says that before God, that before God, He takes our sin, and as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That's what the Spirit of the Lord does. But if you keep betraying, if you keep doing those things, you keep bringing judgment upon yourself. You keep bringing pain. And so what we want to say is that that in this place, God, I don't want to be a betrayer. I don't want the woe to me. I don't want to experience that in my life. I don't want to cause hurt in others. And Lord, I don't want to magnify the hurt that others have done to me. Maybe you've been betrayed in some way and someone has hurt you deeply. 
And you know what? You just want to be done. You want to be done with that. We're going to open up our altars, and we're just going to take a few minutes. And whatever state you're in, if you're the betrayed, I'd like every one of us to join up here. And just find a few moments and allow the Holy Spirit. If someone has hurt you and betrayed you and you say, no, I'm over it, Pastor. And yet there's still some things in your mind and in your heart where we just allow the Holy Spirit to bring in healing. I believe that he'll do that. And if you're a betrayer and you're just realizing that today, oh, God, I'm the one. You know, David had that experience. Nathan said, you're the one. Ah. But you know, I found the Holy Spirit points things out to us and he says, you're the one. Oh Lord, I've been so, and you may say, well, no, I'm not robbing anybody. I'm not lying about anybody. But the Holy Spirit may come upon you and when his conviction comes upon us, he says, you've been looking at other people with the wrong eyes. And you know what? When you understand that and that conviction comes upon you, you say, I've never opened my mouth about them, God. I've never opened my mouth. I've never said anything to anybody about them. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be broken before him. Why? Because God's changing your life. Would you just join me here at these altars?